0: You need to have these documents to protect yourself because if you don't, who's going to pay the, you need a durable power of attorneys for finances. Who's going to talk to the creditors? Who's going to have access to your bank accounts to pay the bills if you can? And just because you're married doesn't give the spouse authorization. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike
1: Koyanen. Glad to have you back on the Retirement Reality Podcast. I am Ben George. He is Mike Coynan, founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services, servicing Minneapolis, St. Paul, Western Wisconsin. they got two offices, one in Woodbury, one in Hudson. So whichever side of the state line you're on, you can go to whichever is most convenient. Mike, how are you doing today? Good to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, good afternoon, Ben. Uh, We're doing great. We're uh, just busy moving along with business and helping clients.
1: Yeah, heading into the fall, you guys, I know, have already started doing cl- uh, some seminars. You, I guess your schedule's staying pretty busy in that in that regard, right?
0: Yeah, we're we're doing the best we can with the uh, restrictions we do have, um, you know. So, but we're doing Social Security seminars, retirement planning seminars. You know, we got to keep our, our distance, and in Minnesota, you got to wear the masks. I know Wisconsin there is a mask mandate, but uh, reality is, not a lot of businesses and a lot of of uh, well, the county is is not enforcing it right now uh you know so um, i'm guessing it's going to be overturned but with that all being said we're we're busy and we have restrictions of where we can be because some places we're used to going to colleges are not allowing anybody to come in and do seminars anymore like we used to so we had to just find different locations which is could be trying yeah a little bit trying
1: yeah i bet Well, you can find information on all Mike's classes coming up at our seminars at principalpreservationservices.com is the website. He also has an on-demand webinar, too. If you're not ready to venture out quite yet, but you still want to get some information from Mike and his team, you can find that webinar online as well, principalpreservationservices.com. Today's show, we're talking about how to build your financial house. And like a lot of times when you think about building a financial plan, it might not seem that exciting to you, right? And it might sound kind of difficult and challenging, which is why you rely on a, a professional like Mike and his his team to help you out with that. But the idea of building a home is a lot more exciting. And you know, you might have your plans and your big visions of what that might look like. But we're going to make that comparison today on how a financial house, building that house is very much like building your financial plan and building uh, towards retirement. So we'll run through four different key areas of that house, the foundation, the walls, the roof, and then those finishing touches that you like to wrap up the entire project with. And we're going to let Mike kind of explain what is the equivalent on the financial side to each one of these items. So Mike, have you ever built a home before? I know you, you do a lot of work,
0: but not physically, but we've (laughs) hired a builder, um, to build it. So yeah, we were in that process. Um, and When Angie and I first got married, we actually built a house in the north of St. Cloud area, of Minnesota, Sock Rapids. We had our my first house built, you know Angie well that was actually both of our you know first home built together. Mm-hmm. so uh, we just had just got married and and uh, found an open lot and hired a builder and you know and, and with that process sometimes it, it goes smooth and there's positive things there's negative things but uh, it's exciting to have that to kind of see that. We'd stop at the uh, at the the work zone at the lot Mm -hmm. almost every night or every other night just see what's the progress doing you know you see the foundation you see the walls go up and and uh, you know the floor and and see everything come together is pretty awesome
1: yeah, I'm sure that's a very similar feeling to having your financial plan come together towards the end and, and build towards retirement. When you see that final product, it's, it's got to be as, just as rewarding. And that's kind of why I want to make that comparison today and have a little fun with the conversation. Yeah, so let's run through it. To start the foundation, obviously, this is the key to the house. You, you know, you're not going to build anything without a very strong, solid, sturdy foundation. So, what's the equivalent in the financial world to the foundation?
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's your basis. It's it's your income. It's your monthly income that you have coming in in retirement. And, you know, when you you drop that paycheck in retirement, you got to figure out where's that income going to be coming from. Uh, Now, we look at Social Security and everybody knows that that's not going to cover your income. One thing about Social Security that I don't think a lot of people know that for the lower income people, Social Security is usually going to meet in up to 40 to 50 percent of their income for the higher uh, income individuals. It's only going to meet maybe 20, 25 percent. So it's actually designed to help the lower income more than it's going to help the higher income. But, um, but that's part of it. Social security is important. Hopefully, you know, if you're married, you got you understand the the rules and try to get the most out of it. We do help clients with maximizing your benefits and understanding what the most you can get out of it. Um, I think that's important to get that that social security report run because I think a lot of people are surprised. Usually 75 to 80% of the people who come in here change their mind on how they're going to take social security because they find out what they can get out of it. Um, Pensions also fall in that category is, you know, hopefully you're getting a pension. You know, our offices are not too far from 3M, so a lot of the 3M workers are getting a pretty decent pension, uh, but also state workers as well, uh, federal workers. And so- find out what the income is but usually even with social security and pensions it's still not meeting the needs and you know a lot of people have that misconception is I don't need that much income in retirement I said well unless you can show me that you don't <laughs> it's going to be hard to make that big change so where's the other assets going to come from uh rather income coming from And that's going to be your assets and and we have to have a to, Come up with a you know a distribution plan. How how are you going to take your money? How much money are you going to take out of your investments to make that money last and fulfill your needs? And it's always important to even do a a dry run months before you retire to see can I really get by off of maybe fifty or sixty percent of what you were taking home before? Sometimes that's too hard for people, so we have to make some those adjustments.
1: All right. So income, <laughs> most important thing there, foundation. That's what you build everything around having that income plan. All right, what about the walls? The foundation's important, right? But you can't have a house without uh, without walls.
0: Yeah, and that's where we come up with your investment plan. You know, we want to make sure that your investments are still making money and keeping up and beating inflation. That's important. So, you know, uh, you want to make sure you have an appropriate amount of liquid investments. Uh, and so, you know, uh, Casey who's um, you know, partner here on the asset side of the asset under management side. A principal wealth services is uh, deals with that with our clients right here, and and that's where we have the money in the market. But you want to be an appropriate amount of risk. Everybody has different risk tolerance as well. But you know, fortunately, you know a lot of our portfolios. You know, the the last ten year or twelve year average has been fairly good. They're beating inflation. You know, when we run out plans for clients, we're not blue sky people, and we're not. I'm not even putting as high as the, the, what the average really was in their plans, but we want to, because we do know, from two thousand nine to twenty twenty spring this year, we had eleven year bull run, which is not normal. Uh, so yeah, the averages are going to be high, but we usually lower the average in your plan to a. Uh, very conservative number to make sure you have enough money to keep up and beat inflation. So there's a different array of investments. We have over 70 different portfolios on the risk side of things. We have safe investments that are averaging 4 to 5% return in the last decade as well. So the key is you having having your money in appropriate amount of buckets. That's important. You want to make sure you have enough money in the bank. You know that's not keeping up with inflation, but you also want to have your other investments, appropriate amount of liquidity, but also appropriate amount of return on those dollars as well to keep up with inflation.
1: So you got your foundation set, your walls are up. Now you're looking mm-hmm. to to put on the roof on top of that house, Mike. And I think everybody can kind of envision with the roof, the importance of the roof. I mean, it protects you, keeps you safe, keeps you right. uh, protected from all the elements. So what would that be in terms of finance and, and your planning?
0: Yeah, that's going to be your insurances. And, you know, we do look at life insurance. uh uh, some people said, do I need life insurance in retirement? Well, it depends. There's a lot of things we could look at um, if you still have mortgages on your house and a lot of people still retire with mortgages. I think it's important to have some life insurance to cover uh, those debts if something was to happen to you so your spouse isn't gonna be left you know, on the side. But remember, when you pass... You lose one. Of, you know, if you're married, one of the social securities will be gone. So you want to have some extra funds as well. It all depends on where everybody's sitting at. Some people don't really need life insurance in retirement because their mortgage is paid off. They have plenty of assets. They're not you're not most likely going to even go through those assets at all. Another important thing to to look at is um, with for those who are getting pensions. Sometimes people take the full pension, the hundred percent pension. But what happens is if you pass, nothing goes to the spouse. So the, a lot of the other options are, they give you usually five to 10 options on these pension plans, is maybe you give 50% to the spouse or maybe you give 100% to the spouse, but by giving 100% to the spouse, you're giving up maybe 20 or 25% of your pension. And that could be a, a you know a steep amount of money. So what some people have done, and it all depends on what your pension plan looks like, we run the numbers and you can, it's a thing called Pension Max. If you take that largest pension, and maybe you're gonna get you know, five, six hundred, say $600 more a month in your pension by taking it, but what happens, your spouse gets nothing, but you take half of those payments that you're, half of that extra money you, you're getting instead of giving the spouse 100%, just say you take $300 of that extra gain by taking the biggest pension, and you buy some term life insurance. You run that out 20 years, and maybe you're able to get four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars 500000 of life insurance, well, what happens? If something happens to you, your spouse doesn't get the pension, but now they get a half a million dollars of tax-free money that's not taxable, which will be better than the pension anyway. So that's something to consider. And one last thing on this is long-term care. That's the thing that can really destroy your assets and your estate and everything. And, and um, People who have the finances to buy long-term care I think should seriously look into it because we look at it not as, I know it's long-term care insurance, but it's really estate insurance in a sense because it protects your state from losing everything to the nursing homes and then eventually to Medicaid and going on Medicaid. So uh, it's people who have the assets to do it. We recommend them looking into it as long as your health is good because, yeah, you pay it out of your pocket, but you really it's based off – your quality of health when you buy it.
1: Gotcha. Lot, lot to consider there in terms of protecting yourself and protecting your assets and your family along the way. All right, let's wrap up the discussion in financial house with finishing touches. You got, you got everything kind of built, but now it's time to go in and, and really put your, your stamp on it and, and control some of those those finer touches along the way. What would this uh, be for your stay? Your your financial plan, Mike.
0: Yeah, just like you said, the, the the final touches, and we talk about this with our clients, is that's your estate plan uh, because you've worked your whole life for everything. And the one thing that people really forget or don't put a lot of attention into the details is that estate plan. I said, man, well you, get, you pay for homeowner's insurance every year, your life insurance, your car insurance, and uh, you're doing your taxes year by year, but you forget to look at everything you're building up is protected with your estate plan. And some people have failed to do it, and some people have done it 20, 25 years ago, and they don't like to talk about mortality and when they're not going to be here. But you really need to look at is those final documents in place when you do pass. Are you going to go the will route? Are you going to go the trust route? And, and we're a big fan of having trust because it's a legal entity and they're not probatable in, in the court systems. Uh, you spend more money, but it's that peace of mind. And yeah, if you spend 2500 to 3500 on a appropriate trust, those are really pennies of what you spent on insurance for car insurance, homeowner's insurance, and all the other insurances you paid through the years. It's something to really consider looking at. And also, while you're living, you need to have these proper power of attorneys in place. And that's also part of your estate plan. You need to have these documents to protect yourself because if you don't, who's going to pay the... You need a durable power of attorneys for finances. Who's going to talk to the creditors? Who's going to have access to your bank accounts to pay the bills if you can? not And just because you're married doesn't give the spouse authorization. You need to have these forms in place. And if you had lost your spouse, now maybe one of your children steps in. They want to pay the bills. Well, if they don't have access through the documents, they're going to have to go to court and try to fight to get conservatorship over your your uh, your, your finances. Um, and the same thing comes with healthcare. You need to have your healthcare directive. Who's going to, going to make those medical decisions? And again, just because you're married doesn't give your spouse 100% access to make those decisions. And they can fight that in court and a judge will ultimately be the final decision maker and who he appoints as your healthcare directive, as your power of attorney in place. So there was an article actually in Minneapolis Star Tribune here about she's 12 13 years ago this lady who who actually had was losing her memory and not making decisions they, they they deemed her incompetent to handle her finances like signs of dementia and the, the children she didn't have power of attorneys in place so the state stepped in and they went to court and and they put Wells Fargo in charge of her finances and and um, and also an attorney in charge as the power of attorneys even the boys her own kids wanted to be power of attorneys and, and the judge said well if you didn't appoint them you weren't appointed by your mom we're going to assume she didn't want you so we're going to figure out we're going to appoint this attorney to be the power of attorney for your mom so they denied the children her whole estate got really spent down to nothing they even refinanced her house to get more money to pay them and then what happens they found out it was a side effect for some medication she was on they changed her medication and she actually was fine and then they said she's not incompetent anymore. But in the meantime, she lost her whole estate wow. um, by not having these power of attorneys in place. Uh, so it's important to get those done. Um, of course, you get them done when you're a sound mind, because usually when you need them, it's too late. And it takes time to get these in order. Uh, last kind of point on there is also it's important to uh, to plan ahead who's going to pay for your funeral. And that's your responsibility to make sure that's taken care of. It's not your kid's responsibility. We always recommend, uh, prepaying for a funeral, uh, with your finances that's Medicaid proof. So we help people with a irrevocable funeral trust. And that's important when it comes to your estate plan. I know it's part of insurance, but it's really part of your estate plan to make sure the burden doesn't fall on
1: your children. Yeah, no question. Well, it's a good discussion, Mike. I think it's a good way to kind of lay out a financial plan. There's a lot that goes into it, but I think making those comparisons to a house can kind of give people a better picture of what it all looks like and how it all works together, too, to really build that that, uh, that safe house for you to to be comfortable in and, and feel very confident and secure in your future. And I guess, too, Mike, I guess to kind of conclude the conversation is you know along with each of these things much like your house you got to service them over time right it's not just build it and forget it you got to make adjustments to your walls or replace the roof or whatever it is as you go through
0: every single one of them it's like you have to go in you have to make repairs and uh, you get cracks in the walls you have issues that that arise and things that happen i mean that out of our control i move all depends on what kind of soil your foundation is built in (laughs) you know if you're in a clay environment it gets wet well the walls can can be cracking those 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 concrete blocks so Mm -hmm. the key is we have to make adjustments and we things aren't always perfect and you know, the future is unforeseen. We don't know what's exactly gonna happen in the future, whether it's a coronavirus pandemic uh, recession or loss of a job earlier than we expect. There's a lot of things that can happen. We have to make adjustments and make those repairs on the fly.
1: It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, let's turn to the mailbag now. I answer a couple of questions from listeners before we close out today's episode. And we'll start with Ralph. Who writes in and says, I'm being forced into an early retirement at 57 from my job with the state. I'll have my pension, but that alone won't be enough to live on. Do I need to find another job since I'm too young for Social Security or to withdraw from my IRAs?
0: Yeah, it's a tough situation um, at 57. I mean, it's really, in most people's eyes, you know, really young retirement. And if your pension's not going to be enough, you're most likely going to have to look for, you know, a part time or full time job. You know, because, like you said, and when you're under fifty nine and a half, you don't have the ability to take withdrawals from those IRAs and four hundred one k's without an IRS penalty. Except for this year, you know, because of the the CARES Act, because of the the coronavirus, they are allowing you to take up to a hundred thousand dollars out this year, you know, without an an extra ten percent IRS penalty. So that is. You know the ability you know that this year to do that. so that might be enough Ralph for you not having to uh, to do that if you're able to pull money out this year, pay the taxes on it you have some extra buffer in your account and also I don't know if you have you know good reserves as an emergency fund built up. so some people have received inheritance they've got 50 to 100 or more thousand dollars in their savings slash checking accounts. I don't know what the what you have if you have that, you possibly could use that as your emergency fund. And sometimes it, it does take a little bit longer to find a job. But, you know, 57, um, hopefully you're of, of good health, Ralph, and you're able to get out there, at least fill that gap with a part-time job. That's what my recommendation is. I mean, when, if, you know, Ralph, if you're gonna live till 85, 90, so you, know, you have to have that money last almost 30 years if you live just till, you know, 85, roughly. So that's a long time to be not working. You know, if you can at least work till most people are working till, you know, 65, Medicare age, that's kind of the norm.
1: Gotcha. Well, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, Ralph, you can always reach out to Mike and his team at Principal Preservation Services to look into it a little bit further for you. Our next question comes in from Frank. Can you explain the rule of 100 and is that something that you believe in?
0: Yeah, we kind of use that as just a, a guideline. Now, the rule of 100 is... You take your age, subtract that from 100. So let's just say, Frank, I don't know if you're, just say you're 60. You know, it just means the older you get, the less risk we should be in, right? So if you, Frank, if you're 60, 60 minus 100 should say 40% of your retirement savings should be in equity stocks or risk. And then we take the other 60% should be in, they used to say in bonds. And you know, because bonds are safer, people used to think bonds are 100% safe. They're actually not because if you look at their interest rate sensitive and as interest rates rise and they're they're going to rise again, uh, bond values will lose. So we're not a big fan of obviously the bond portfolio. We have safe investments that have outperformed bonds over the last few years, but it's just to show people as a guideline is you know where should you be? And there's we can waver a little bit plus or minus that based off of a couple other factors. Now uh, a factor is that they might be able to take a little more risk than this rule of 100 is maybe they have a really good pension. So they said, you know what? I have a good pension so I can take a little bit more risk with my investments because I have social security and pensions are meeting my needs. And I understand that. So uh, one person's eye, they might want to take a little bit more risk or maybe, Maybe people have more, some more money saved than the average. You know, an average, you know, husband wife that comes in here have seven or fifty, eight hundred thousand dollars of assets. Maybe they have one and a half or two million dollars or more. Well, if because they have the luxury of having a little bit more risk, maybe they don't want to be under that that rule of one hundred. So it's a guideline we use. Now it depends on where where you fall in. Whether you're and if you have less assets than the average. Well, then we have to be tighter with that. Some people said, I oh, know I need to take more risk. I said, Well, if you take more risk and you take bigger losses, that could set back your retirement a couple of years. So the key is we just use as a guideline and we make adjustments based off of your personal situation.
1: Good question, Frank. Thanks for sending that in. And uh, again, appreciate it Ralph for your question as well. If you ever have anything on your mind, want to ask Mike and get his opinion here on the show, get his guidance. You can always send it in to us. PrincipalPreservationServices.com is the website. You can also call the office at 855 987 8888. Well, a good conversation today, Mike. And I think uh, hopefully had a little fun with that uh, financial house and hopefully it gets people a better idea of what all goes into building that, that plan. And it could be a lot of fun along the way.
0: It can be. Yeah. Uh, we enjoy this and we have uh, tried to make it Low stress for clients when they come in here, and help them, you know, educate them, and under, so they can understand it. And I think that's some of the biggest compliments we get is just when we're done with a meeting, and people said, "You know what? I actually understand what you're talking about." And so that's uh, that's some could be the biggest compliment because we want to talk to make sure we're not talking above anybody, we're you know, we're not talking below anybody. We want to be talking on the same level so everybody understands.
1: Absolutely. You can find every uh, past episode of our podcast online at PrincipalPreservationServices.com. And if you use Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is, make sure you hit subscribe as well. We'll be back again next week with another podcast talking about another financial topic, retirement planning, whatever it is that's on our mind, we'll bring it to you again next week. Mike, thanks for the time today. Enjoyed it.
0: Thanks, Ben. We'll see you soon.